Um, it's been uh, obviously stormy weather out, and uh, a lot of uh, the time change, storm weather, weather uh, challenges on the road. Um, I was thinking of the storm, and this has kind of been, the, I guess, the first one in the fall, but I always see in the stormy weather something of a metaphor of life. I can't help it. It's just sort of the way uh, we look at things, I guess. You know, life, life is filled with, I think of a storm, a disruptive moment. I think of how certain seasons of our life are not always as easy as other seasons of our life. How sometimes the weather's great, sun is out. It's easy, it's easy to uh, be grateful. And then there are other times where it's stormy and windy and uh, raining and it's not, a, it's not that easy. Um, in fact, I think it's, one of the interesting things I was thinking about this is that a lot of times in the stormy weather, we're drawn inward, we're drawn inside. It's just natural. We don't spend as much time outside. And I kind of see also there something about how in the stormy seasons of life, how we tend to be drawn inward. And if we can take a look at the interior things that God wants to do in our life, that a lot of times it will really prepare us for some serious expansion. And that's certainly true from a relational capacity. I mean, we've been talking about friendship now for a number of weeks, what it means to be a good friend, what friendship looks like from a biblical perspective. We've been also talking about relational skills. How do we not just talk about being friends and not being isolated, but how do we actually go about expanding our capacities to do better in our relationships? Because if you think about it, again, a lot of the storms of life, now I know there are many different kinds of storms. There are times where we might have a physical storm in our life, a health issue comes up, some of us even here. I mean, in a community like this, many of us are here gathered in this, in this house right now. I mean, there's no question that there are some struggles that are happening around health issues right now. There, we may have people who are very dear to us who have health issues or struggling through some things. So there are clearly storms that are more physical in nature. It's, we don't sometimes realize what a gift our health is until we actually are struggling to have energy and certain capacities, things we take for granted. So it might be health. I was thinking about what other kind of storms can come maybe into our lives unexpectedly. Oftentimes, they're connected to our career and um, different seasons of our life. It's not uncommon uh, for us to begin to have questions either coming out of school frequently or in a period where we've been doing something for quite a while in, that, in those middle years of our lives or perhaps even in our advanced years as we're looking down the road and we can see um, our senior years coming. I mean, all of those kind of inflection points where we start to think about our life, but from a career standpoint, a lot of us, maybe right now, we're just kind of in a place that's kind of stormy weather for us. We're, we're evaluating. We're thinking about, am I doing the thing that I'm supposed to do? I don't even know if I like it anymore. I don't know if I should be doing it. I mean, industry's changing on me. What does that mean for my future? There are a lot of questions about life that affect us, that challenge us. And then, if, and then sometimes there's the job, and I differentiate a career from job. I think of career issue kind of being, you know, where am I going? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, but I think of our job, I think of the challenges that occur in the workplace and how a lot of us, not all of us, but they say some of us, we're loathing tomorrow. I mean, it, the, the idea of going back and facing some of the things we're going to have to deal with, uh, the, whether they're the pressures of projects that we're feeling or whether it has to do with different kind of management issues or just certain people that we work with. I mean, a real, there's a lot of real stuff there and it's, it maybe it's a stormy environment for the whole, um, you know, sort of place where we're working. There's a lot of fear, perhaps, that's connected to the other thing we talk about a lot. You know, there's storms that are financial in nature. They come into our lives at a time like this when our economy 
is uh, scary for a lot of people. A lot of us are thinking about things like this. This has been coming up a lot. And um, it, can be, it can be a place where we are really in a storm when it comes to just, am I going to have enough? You know? And uh, so all of those are legitimate storms. We may be walking through some real tough times right now. And I get that. So what I'm about to say here, the reason I'm saying that is I don't want to pretend that these are the only issues. But I want to say this, that I do think a lot of our most significant storms in our lives are connected to people and people relationships. People we love, people we're close to, friends with, family members, um, associates that we work closely with. That a lot of the tensions that arise in life, a lot of the violation of our peace occurs around disruptive moments that occur relationally. And when we talk about what it means to follow the Lord, I mean, we're not just talking about having a right belief system. We're talking about how can we apply the principles of, of his word. And it's why we encourage people to study the Bible and learn it and get in studies with others, get in a small group, go to class. I mean, do whatever you can to grow because when we do that, what happens is we, we enhance our capacity to be able to apply this to real life and the everydayness of our life that is filled with a lot of stuff. And, and again, a lot of it has to do with people. So... I said all that to say that's why we're talking about what we're talking about, is that relational skill development, continual growth, and our ability to manage through difficult places relationally is a huge thing. Um, a lot of us find ourselves in environments that there are uh, misunderstandings that have entrenched themselves, that there have, become, there have come into an otherwise healthy relationship, strong disagreements that are tearing it apart each person feeling somewhat vindicated in their position, entrenched, disunity has crept in, deep division, um, anger perhaps, or perhaps a feeling of betrayal, a lack of trust. I mean, we always talk about how one of the gifts that we can be to other people, one of the ways that we bless people is by being a person that people can trust. doesn't mean we're perfect, but all of us need people in our lives who are somewhat islands of stability, a life that doesn't have that will, will, will be insecure. And so there are times where we have people who, who we have trusted and, and that trust is violated. Um, that could be very harmful and painful. How do we respond to that? Uh, what happens when we've got an environment where the atmosphere is turned from sunny and, and loving into something that is not that way? It's, it's honestly, it's, it's getting hard. There's a lack of tenderness that's crept in. There's, there's deep resentment. It's made its way in. Um, things are chilled. The atmosphere is cold. In these places, it's really important that we apply our faith and our understanding of what it means to, to, to draw close to the Lord and play that out in, in our life, in, in the way we respond to these things. So if you'll notice in your handout, there's a passage here. And it's not, I'm going to refer to the John passage second. I'm going to refer to 1 Peter first. And in this Peter passage, 1 Peter 3, we're going to just read this together. It says, Finally, all of you be of one mind. Have compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous, which is a way of saying be humble. And we've talked about how one of the great things that the Lord calls us to relationally is to walk into our relationships with humility, never forgetting that we, even though we think we see and understand, we have to take into account our own 
possible lack of understanding. We have the potential for blind spots ourselves. Even when we think we see it clearly, we have to take into account the possibility that we are not accurately assessing the situation. It's very important that we're, we're, we're never setting ourselves up in a place where we don't leave room for the possibility that we're misreading this. And we're going to get at that in a moment. Again, thinking about what this means to have a, an environment, he says this, um, of, that don't return evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Let's not be people who basically, when you hurt me, I hurt you back. And, and I don't know why it is, but sometimes it's in the relationships that we're most close with one another where somehow intimacy is used as an excuse to hurt in a way that we would never seem to hurt someone who we didn't know well. And that's not the way it's supposed to be for any of us. The apostle goes on to say this. He says, knowing that you were called... Look, he says, on the contrary, verse, look at verse 9. Be, we are called to bless. Um, let the dominant way of our life be one of blessing. Let the dominant way of life be one of blessing, knowing that you were called to this. This is what we were born to do. We were born to be a blessing. And he says, and you will be blessed for it, for being that blessing that you were born to be. It's a great word. He says that if you do this, you're gonna, if he would love life and see good days. And he starts talking about the power of our words, the power of our deeds. He gets into this whole thing. You know, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, wow, Lord, there are, there are things that you will call us to. Remember last week we, we looked at a verse, it was in uh, Proverbs 18, 13, because we've been talking about listening and, and we've been talking about seeing, we've been talking about hearing, right, and understanding. And, and this verse is an admonition for us. It's a, it's a wise warning for us. It says that he, the person who answers a matter before they've actually heard it out, it's, um, it's full, folly and shame. It's, it's the opposite of wisdom and health that one of the real things that we need to continue to work at doing is actually hearing people out. Now listen, it doesn't mean that we're always going to agree. And I think if someone is saying that you need to hear me out and making an assumption that, well, and if you hear me out, then, then you'll agree with me, then that is a faulty assessment. That's not what we're talking about. There are times where we may hear someone out legitimately, I mean really seek to understand. But seeking to understand is not to be synonymous with agreement, necessarily. And we may still feel, after we have heard someone out, that we still feel that there's a problem here. I've heard it. I get it. I hope you realize I've heard it. But we still are looking at this thing somewhat different. In other words, can we agree to disagree agreeably? Can we do that? Um, I was having a conversation. In fact, you know, this is a, I mean, oh, you want to talk about politically charged season right now. This is it. And uh, I was walking on the street, and um, I had, there was a couple people working on the street. They were working for a particular uh, amendment, or actually it wasn't even that. It was, it was something else that they were talking about. I don't even know what it specifically was now that I come to think about it. I just know that it was political, and we ended up talking, and I said, I have a difference of view. But what I was amazed with was that, you know, we, here were two completely different views. But we actually had um, a very uh, respectful, agreeable conversation on the street that I actually wasn't anticipating. And um, we both ended it by saying, you know, I really enjoy talking with you. And we didn't agree necessarily uh, at, by the time that was done. It wasn't like, you know, we were, I, I didn't come around and vice versa, <laughs> right? It wasn't like... <laughs> But 
you know what? I, I told him, I said, I appreciate just the tone of this. You know, and I'm a, I'm a follower of the Lord. And I came out in the conversation. And, he, and, and this person wasn't. But it doesn't mean that, that, that this understanding one another is ex exclusive domain of those who follow the Lord. By no means is that true. I would say this, though. It should be for not exclusive, but the domain of all those. In other words, all of us should be applying ourselves to be people who seek first to understand. That we don't just run rashly off in judgments. That we really try to give people the benefit of the doubt and hear them out. It doesn't mean we're going to agree. I said, if we ever define tolerance as meaning I have to agree, then that actually is intolerant. But we can agree to disagree and still walk away in a friendly way. That's, and that is, in our own relationships, we may find ourselves in positions where if the only way for us to have peace is for total concession of one person to the other, we're going to have camps that are pitted against one another, and we're never going to be able to build any bridge whatsoever. So I say all that, just throwing it out there. Let me show you another passage in the book of uh, John. It's the seventh chapter of John. We're, we want to hustle through this, but not go too fast, but still on a good pace. All right. John 7, Jesus is talking... And it's one of these intense um, interactions that occur in the scripture, in the scripture around, they, it often occurred between Jesus and his, uh, I don't want to call them his adversaries, but they were, they were people who opposed him vehemently and uh, misunderstood him a lot. And so Jesus had a confrontation in John 7 with, with the temple authorities. And if you were to read through this whole passage, you would find out that, that there was a lot of different opinions about Jesus. There was a lot of grumbling about him. It says in verse 12, among the crowds, some people argue he's a good man. Other people says, no, he's not a good man. He's a fraud. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. Want nothing to do with the man. Jesus ends up having this discussion with them. It says nobody even took a public stand in favor of Jesus here. Because everybody was afraid. Afraid that if they did it, they would be, get in trouble with the authorities, so they all backed away. No one wanted to identify, although there were some people who were clearly resonating with him. Some even who were in authority. But they were afraid of what it would cost them if they associated themselves too much with Jesus, because Jesus was controversial. Jesus had done something that you and I maybe can't appreciate. In fact, if you go down to, um, for, by the end of this discourse here, you go to verse 20, it says, The crowd replied, You're demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? Because Jesus says, some, you guys are basically saying, you want to, a lot of you out in this crowd, he says, you want to kill me. And they said, you, what are you talking about? You're paranoid. You're a paranoid lunatic, possessed of a demon. Who in the world is trying to kill you? Jesus, you, you are. You know, you are. And they, there were some, and he says, and think about the issues that you're upset with me over. He says, specifically, he says in verse 21, you're upset because I did a miracle on the Sabbath. Now, this is a huge, mm, this is a lar large minor theme throughout the New Testament Gospels when you talk about the life. The interaction he has, the Sabbath is always coming. What was the Sabbath? Sabbath, let me put it this way. There were large tension points around the keeping of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was one of the commandments, one day to be set apart to the Lord as holy. It was designed originally to remind all of us as human beings that we were not made simply to work. It was, it was to remind us that we are finite, not infinite, that we do not have all power, that we are, we are as human beings designed to rest, and that we function better when we have times of non-work or rest. 
that when we recreate ourselves, recalibrate ourselves towards God, remind ourselves that we are not in control, that this too shall pass, that God is God and we are not, when we are still and know that He is God, that when we do this and we pull away and we say, all these things that I'm clutching, I let them be. There is a principle. Now, see, the, the, the Sabbath principle for recreating, very good principle. It was helpful. But they had taken the principle by Jesus' day and turned it into something instead of that was life-releasing into something that was actually devastating. And they had feathered it out to such a nuance and degree that they had added amazing details to where you couldn't do certain things. And so Jesus had gotten into trouble. The reason they were so upset with him is because Jesus, if you, read, if, you, if you were to read back in John 5, you would see that Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. This guy had been sick for 38 years. Um, Jesus heals him. And, and that would have been a problem enough. But then he tells them, he told the guy to take up your bed, rise up, and walk. Now for them, that was work on the Sabbath, not to be done. And they actually said, who told you to take up your bed and walk? You would think that the fact that he was healed would have prevailed in that moment. But they were more bothered by the fact. And Jesus said, well, what are you doing? And then as if, he, to, then the, the, the verses that follow, which we're not going to go into in detail because it would take us into deep places that we don't have the time to even dig into appropriately, but he gets into this idea. He, he puts them in a position. He talks about two things, the Sabbath and circumcision. And he says, because both were valued and honored. He says, what happens when these two uh, priorities of yours cross? You compromise, he says. This is basic. he's getting at. He's saying, you're willing to do it. When, when the circumcision of a, of, of a male child falls on the eighth day, and that eighth day happens to be a Sabbath, you have no problem violating the Sabbath. He says, but you have a problem with me healing a man and telling him to rise up and walk. What is wrong with you? He says, he said, and then the verse that I wanted us to get to, then in verse 24, this, look at what he said. Here's the key, uh, at least for where we're going. Look beneath the surface so that you can judge righteously, he says, correctly. He says, don't get stuck on the surface and miss the larger. It's almost like Jesus saying, come on, come on. Look, but don't make your judgments just locked into a, a paradigm, but look below the surface. Try to look at this in a different way. He's saying you're, you're, you're misunderstanding what God is doing. You're misunderstanding the purpose of Sabbath, which was designed to draw people to God. You're misunderstanding the one he sent to you. You're missing it. And, and the older version, it, it, this verse says this, do not judge according to appearance, but judge according to righteous judgment. The idea of judging here means assess correctly. It means look at it with a proper understanding. It's meaning that don't get stuck on the surface. Don't get stuck on the, and we do, okay, we do this. We do this in our relationships. I do this. Uh, we get stuck on something. It's not really the big issue, but we're stuck, we're knit, we're stuck on the minor offense, and we won't go any further because we're offended or hurt. And it's not, it's the surface. It's not the real thing. It's not the right way to go about it. The Bible is filled with examples like this where, where we're told about it. Don't get stuck on the surface. Uh, um, let me put it this way. We've been talking about understanding people. We've been talking about seek first to understand. We've been talking about the need to understand. 
to be gracious in the way, to be slow, what we say, slow, James 1, 19, 20, be slow to uh, speak, slow to get angry, be quick to hear. Don't fly off because the anger of a human being, a man, a person does not work what is right in God's eyes. Usually it results in things we regret, right? That's, that's what we've been talking about. But we've been talking about how you and I are to approach relationships and, be, and to be gracious in the way we approach it. Really try to understand and listen and, and try to get to where, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, flip it upside down. I want to turn it around, look at it from a different angle. I want to say instead of approaching this from the standpoint of, our responsibility to understand. I'm going to ask, I'm going to approach this, these closing minutes from the perspective of what do we do when we are misunderstood? So we're flipping it around. How, what happens when we have been uh, un, uh, uh, maybe unintentionally, but maybe misinterpreted when someone accuses us of something that was not accurate, you know, um, when someone misdiagnosis, like Jesus saying, you are judging in the wrong way. You are, you know, he was saying, you're looking at the wrong things. There are times, there are some situations where, on, yes, on the surface, it looks bad, but if you'll just hear me out, you know, but a lot of times that won't happen because sometimes we get, we have a past or we have a habit of doing things and someone has us nicely put into a box. Ah, oh, there you go again. But this was, this was different. It was not. There's more to it. I don't want to talk about it. See that? What do we do when we're misunderstood? What do we do when we're poorly... poorly when, you know, one of the things I'm going to suggest we do, and here, here we go, is firstly, this is, these are simple phrases, but they have a lot of power in them if we sit with them properly. I'm going to suggest that one of the best things we can do is try to explain. And you say, well, what good is it? Okay, let me, the value of not shutting down. Because I know when we're hurt, you, how, you know, you, I'm trying to tell you what's happening. You want to give me the benefit of the doubt on this thing? Uh, you know, one of the things I've noticed a lot of times, I, I'll talk to someone and say, did you talk about it? No. I wouldn't understand it anyway. Whatever. You know, someone you try to, you start to say, explain, it comes back, Forget, I don't want to even talk about it. Forget it, whatever. You know, and we go, we, we, and then we stick it deep inside, it just builds up. There's not, instead of trying to explain, now again, it presumes that people can give us some room, but there are, and I'm not talking about when we're being accurately assessed. I'm talking about when we're being misunderstood. And, we're, and that's different, and we know when it's different, at least most of the time we know. And when we are really being misunderstood, when, we, when we're saying, what have I done? You know, this, when there's a sense of, there's more to it. There's more to it than that. It's not just what it seems to be on the surface. Let me, hear me out. Hear me out on this. But a lot of times we feel like, I don't have the ability to explain it. It's not going to make sense. Or you already have a perspective of me. You've already got it. You already think you know where this is going. I've done it. Maybe I was guilty before. But I'm trying to say this is a different situation here. Will you hear me out? A lot of times, well, you know, here's the thing. It, it, if a person initially rejects us, a lot of times people stuff it deep down inside and just like hold it in. Won't talk. Won't, what's wrong? Nothing. You want to talk about it now? No, because you didn't want to talk about it then. I don't want to talk about it now. Forget it. We got nothing to talk about. Well, is, is that going to get us anywhere? It's about who's right? Do we want to live this way? Do we want to be friends like this? 
Really? Is that how we, do I want that in my life? Really? Do we need that? Is it that big of a deal? Are we stuck on a little thing on the surface? Missing the larger blessings? All we're called to bless. Holding things in. It's just, you know, sometimes I say, well, I can't say things right. Well, maybe write a, I don't know somebody who, they like to write letters. They like to write things. They get a note card or something, they write their heart out. They might send something, an email. They've double-checked it before they send it, right? <laughs> but the idea is that, that, you know, I mean, maybe some of us are better, write, better at writing our feelings because we can, we can prayerfully look at those words and double-check them. We're afraid that we might say things in our anger or in our haste or if the right buttons are pushed, it'll come out wrong. So we take time, but at least we are explaining ourselves. And you say, well, what happens if I explain myself and nothing happens? They, they still don't hear me. That will happen at times. But we can't use that as an excuse not to communicate. So there will be times where we will be, so what do we do here? In those moments, now this one is going to sound like, oh, that, what is that? What? Okay. We need to then go to the Lord, right, with it. Because here's why. We cannot control another person. But we can control our own heart. We, we cannot make another person do anything at the end of the day. But, but we can own our own self. And a lot of times, it's us just taking our hurt, our violation, our feeling of being misunderstood, and they're, they're not hearing it. They're not going the way we want them to go. I've done what I was supposed to do. They're not responding. They're still holding this against me. What happens then? Well, I'm going to say that we have a couple of choices. We can keep fighting this out in our own heart, or we can go do what the Bible, the Bible says. You know, take things. There are sometimes where in the old school they used to have, even in prayer, they would they would open up their hands. They would open their hands. They just Lord, I place this in your hands. I place it in your hands. I leave it there. I will not. And then the Psalms are full of examples of just I trust you with this, Lord. I, I, I'm not going to hold this thing. I can't make that person understand. I, I, you vindicate me, oh God, but it's not an angry thing necessarily. It's like when Jesus is on the cross, what does he say? Um, he said seven things that we recorded him saying. One of them, of course, we always remember, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. But there was another thing he said, Father, into your hands, think about this, into your hands I commend my spirit. I place myself in your hands. And there is something about in these places where we are frustrated, we are angry, we are hurt because we feel like we are not being understood, that there are times, and we can't make the other person see it, that we say, Lord, I, I, if I don't do this, I'm going to get, I need to just trust you with this. I need to lay it there, and I may need to keep doing that, but I can't change it. I can't make it happen. I can't manipulate it. I can't force it. I can't put, because you know, that's how we get all frustrated when we make it happen. We make it worse. So if we trust the Lord, then, and here's the last piece, then it's likely that then we will not get what I'm saying we cannot get to. And this is, we must guard against this at all costs. We cannot allow ourselves to get bitter. Please, um, I appeal to you in the Lord's name. Because bitter, bitterness, the Bible says, corrupts. It metastasizes. It spreads it affects other people, by which many are corrupted, the scripture says. The root of bitterness. Do not allow a root of bitterness by which many are corrupted. It, it, it affects all of our other relationships. It affects, for those who are parents, the children, generations. Root of bitterness. 
Where did that come from? It started with a hurt, an offense, an offense that was nurtured. It was a resentment that wasn't dealt with. Resentment, not dealt with, turns into a hurt. That hurt's nurtured. It becomes infected. That infected hurt turns into something that looks like a little bit of bitterness wedging in me. And that bitterness needs to be rooted out early on. You cannot give it place. Do not give place to it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. It corrupts things. It destroys things. It takes away our ability to, to love God, to love people right. It, 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 it'll ruin us. It'll affect us. He said, well, they did this. You don't understand what they're doing. He said, well, let, look, let it go. Let it go. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Life's too short to waste it angry. Don't be angry. Be angry, but do not sin. Mad people have a difficult time blessing. Resentful people have a hard time spreading the joy of the Lord. In your handout, there's a, the song that we're closing with is called Surprised. And I'm going to suggest that there are times where we are in the middle. And it's, I, don't, I like this song a lot because part of what it's saying is there are times where we are struggling to get through this thing, this issue, and then we just say, Lord, I'm going I'm 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 to put it into your hands. And there's this one line in the song where he says, unclench your fist. You can't receive anything with a clenched fist. And he says, unfold your arms. Because the position is one of, I'm not open. I'm closed. Don't, don't. It's just, you know what? Let me surprise you, is what the song, let the Lord is saying to it. Let me surprise you. I'll walk with you through your grievance. Trust me with it. Don't get angry and consumed and defined by the wound. Lord, as we prepare to close this service out, and I know it's been quite a morning already for many of us, Lord, we, we sit with the truth of your word, and we are just so grateful for your word of life, which is to us, Lord, oh, I'm like, it's like an um, ointment for our soul. And, Lord, I, I don't know all the things that, that are going on. We have, there are all kinds of stories in this room, in this house. And many of us have different issues that we're trying to work through, Lord. But I pray that you would continue to grow us, expand us, if it just, even if it's just a little bit of a breakthrough, Lord. Or just a little word that you're giving to us to just let me surprise you with my presence. Let it go. Lord, we sit with you in these closing minutes. We pray that you'd bless not only this psalm, but also now our time of giving. As many of us honor you in this way and this work that you're doing, we just pray for your blessing over these closing minutes. In Jesus' name, we ask this, Lord. Amen. Lord.